Kayla. And this is Disembodied Thoughts, a podcast where the curiosities of life, death, and the in-between are celebrated and explored. On this episode, we will take you on a journey through two cultures' look at death. From Mexico to Indonesia, we will explore funeral traditions of these cultures and the idea that maybe physical death does not have to be a finality after all. The journey begins in Mexico. The three deaths. One. Slowing heartbeat, shallow breaths, lungs gasping, grasping for air. No more rhythmic movement of the chest. Erratic, sporadic, painful, labored, guttural gurgling, and then nothing. Two. Family, friends, those near and dear, gather around the freshly dug earth. Tears, sobs, some uncontrollable crying. Nice, yet empty words leave the mouth of the padre, somehow meant to placate the seemingly endless laments. Lowering of the casket, spreading dirt over it like the last and final blanket of the earthly world. Condolences all around. 3. Days, weeks, months, years go by. Fond memories of what once was present themselves as smiles on the faces of our beloved, at first regularly, continually, and then one day, lived experiences become fleeting memories, memories no longer visited, and so we leave. No one left to remember. This poem depicts the belief in Mexican culture that we die not once, but three times. The first, when our body physically stops working. The second, when we are interred in our damp grave. And finally, the third death is when we cease to exist in the minds and hearts of our loved ones. The Mexican culture tries to prolong the last and final death as long as possible. Colorful altars are displayed in homes, some every day, some go over the top on Day of the Dead. Altars with offerings of food and candy are adorned with pictures of those we've lost. The most recent depiction of this belief can be seen in Disney Pixar's Coco. The vibrant colors, love of music, food, and celebration of Day of the Dead represent but a small part of the culture. In the movie, we learn about the traditions involved in Day of the Dead celebrations, such as preparing meals and presenting them to the photos of our loved ones as an ofrenda at the altar. We also learn through the charming trickster, Hector, as he is described, about the all-too-real fear of the final death. Hector tries to help the main character, Miguel, on his journey to learn more about his family's history. Simultaneously, Hector is trying to keep his memory alive in his loved ones before inevitably being forgotten for good and thus disappearing into oblivion. This movie accurately depicts traditional ceremonies held in cemeteries, bringing ofrendas to gravesites, lining pathways with marigolds, filling the air with lively music. The marigolds line the path to the final resting place of our loved ones' bodies, just like they are said to line the path leading to the land of the dead. They guide the souls to the afterlife. This is where one hopes to spend as much time as possible with the hope of evading the third death. Perhaps because it's a Disney movie, or perhaps because it delves into the fears of some, the movie glazed over the actual death of Hector. 
briefly mentioning being poisoned and then entering the afterlife. What the movie does do is spend a good amount of time demonstrating the sadness, frustration, and fear that Hector begins to feel when he realizes he is slowly being forgotten, that he has not appeared on someone's ofrenda, and that he will soon become a memory no longer visited. We now travel to the mountainous region of South Sulawesi, an island of Indonesia where wood effigies called Tau Tau adorn the limestone cliffs. Carefully carved in the image of the more prominent residents since passed away, the Tau Tau watch over the village of Taraja, forever protecting the dead and the living that reside here. To the Tarajans, physical death is not a finality, but a sickness that leads to the untethering of body and life spirit. For those that are too makula or physically sick, their spirits live on in their family house until they can pass on to the afterlife. Both the physical body and life spirit are cared for intimately by their loved ones during this time. Here, human connection transcends death, and death in turn becomes entangled in daily life. Untethered bodies are kept close to their spirits in their worldly home. In the morning, the family left behind in the physical world bathed the corpses, carefully preserved with mixtures of formaldehyde and flowers, and are placed back into the clothing worn when they passed away so as to not confuse the spirits. Throughout the day, they are served meals and told secrets, and with the gift of Natiro Nisangmo, the physically dead are able to share their feelings and thoughts with their loved ones in return. At night, they are tucked in and placed beneath the veil to protect the body while the house rests. The ebb and flow of grief is understood and honored in the Tarajan death rites. While the spirits of the dearly departed are given time to prepare for the afterlife, those that have been left behind are given time to grieve and memorialize the lamented in a way oftentimes unfamiliar to westernized cultures. The physically dead may be among the living for weeks, months, or in some cases years, depending on the personal grieving cycle of family and their financial standings. When the time is right and the funds have been saved for the ornate proceedings, a grand funeral is held to usher the departed into the afterlife. A celebration of illness ending and peace succeeding, family reunite and the village community come together for the funeral which lasts up to a week. Traditional songs of death, called O-songs, are sung, accompanied by ceremonial dancing. The more traditional dances include flowing, ribbon, symbolic of the path the spirit must take to continue the journey toward death. The Hymn of the Buffalo, an important piece of literature symbolizing the philosophy of life and death to the Tarajans, is performed and sacrificial offerings are made. Of the most distinguished sacrifices are buffaloes, who are thought to escort the spirits of the dead to their final resting place. Member of this Indonesian village, spend their lives saving for and tending to their buffaloes, knowing one day they will be needed to accompany family through the veil of death. As the ceremony comes to an end, the dead are lifted from their beds and into beautifully decorated caskets along with treasured items from their life, from clothing and photos to cigarettes and snacks to ensure they live comfortably in the great beyond. With the help of the village's men and a procession of family and friends in attendance, the casket is carried away from the village to the mountainside, where family crypts carved into the limestone overlook serene valleys. A fitting resting place for those ready for peace. Yet their ties to the living are not severed forever. 
They will see their family again every few years for Manine, when the bodies are exhumed from ritual family reunions. The dead will be changed, bathed, and fed, just as they were cared for when they were Tumakula. Forever a part of their family, through ritual and spirit, Misepana, the living and the dead, share one breath. How do you think it would be accepted in Western culture? Like, do you think people would be like, that's crazy. There's a dead body in my living room. It's interesting because when I was doing the the research for this, one of the articles I found actually said um, a morbid curiosity of death Mm -hmm. or a good way to deal with grief. And I thought it was interesting that they led with that Westernized cultures would view this as something that is morbid and that is scary to them because it's so different from what we're used to. I mean, when someone dies in America, at least they're essentially swept away from the house immediately and then put into the grave or cremated. There really isn't that time where you can be around death to feel accustomed to it. Did you have anything like that growing up? Like, did you have any type of beliefs about death in the afterlife or no? I don't know. I feel like my family didn't really talk about death or really acknowledge it. I know that when my grandma was passing away, she she's very Catholic and she was adamant about having her ashes in the church. But that really was the only extent that I was familiarized with death. Mm -hmm. So for you, for you, did your family follow the customs of the Mexican culture? For the three deaths? Yes and no. Like, it's interesting because I think the three deaths, like, supersedes Catholicism. And we're, we grew up pretty Catholic. And so it was like going to church and paying your respects to the body and doing all of that. And then it was kind of like one half of my family was like, that's it. We don't talk about anything else. And then the other family was like, okay, but there's more to it. And at the, like the anniversary of the passing, we're going to make your grandpa's favorite meal, or um, we have an altar set up and like my little dog is up there too. And my grandpa, like we have little things set up for them. And like, we didn't really think about it. We didn't think that they were two separate things. Like we just kind of included all of it into one belief. Um, And it's not weird for us to be like, oh, today's my grandma's birthday, grab a bar of chocolate and we can put it on the altar for her. Like little things like we have makeup up there for her or like my grandpa loves Budweiser. So we have like a a tall can of Budweiser for him. Um, And that's just how we grew up, like not thinking it was weird or anything. But then interacting with other people, you're kind of like, well... Why, how long do you keep this up for or why do you do it and it's just us paying our respects to them it's not like trying to prolong death necessarily it's more trying to pay tribute to them or like letting them know that we remember them I think that I almost feel like having these extended uh, death rites or death rituals is almost healthier for grief because you have a time to not only remember your loved ones, but you also have that time to grieve between, you know, them passing and having them in the in the great beyond or whatever you believe in. I'm not really sure, but mm-hmm. I think that a lot of the times, because it's such a um, taboo subject, at least in Westernized cultures, um, they don't really deal with it. 
or if you know someone's ill and who is passing away, they're more, it seems like the thought process is more that how can I sustain this life longer? How can I keep this person in my life longer? When in reality, even though that they passed away, there are ways to keep those loved ones alive and remember them and remember what they like, whether it's the Budweiser on the mantle or whatever it is. I think it's really important right. for grief and people don't really, I just don't think that they, they see it that way a lot of the times because death is such a, unwelcomed thing in people's lives and I know that you kind of touched on this when we were discussing last week but it like the beliefs that you talked about aren't necessarily that different than Norman Bates right like he kept his mother alive okay he took it to a different level and he pretty much acted like her but he was keeping her alive so at what point is it or is it like western society that's saying like this is not okay this is like a monstrous thing to do here is norman bates as example yeah i mean norman bates probably has some some issue he needs to deal with but is it so wrong to want to keep your love person alive right i mean it's a definitely an interesting concept <laughs> that people should explore and i think that having his his mom preserved the way that he does is almost like an icing on the, the cake of the horror story that Norman Bates is. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it just seems like maybe it shouldn't be in that situation. Not, I'm not condoning Norman Bates, but you know, yeah. Right, 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 yeah. right. It's just, no, absolutely. I think there's a lot of instances in, in, um, at least American, American stories and, scary tales that deal with having dead people around for longer than they should or it's just it's just an interesting dichotomy i suppose that's true i don't see i think that learning more about tarajan's culture specifically i don't know how i'd feel about having a dead body in my house for that long i mean there's some instances that it's not uncommon for them to be in the house for years just because a buffalo so depending on the family the more buffaloes that are sacrificed the more worthy that spirit is to escort them into the afterlife right so they always want a herd of buffaloes to bring their loved ones over to to their final death but each buffalo costs like 1600 bucks right and the the village itself is relatively poor so people spend a lot of time saving up for these buffaloes just to make sure that their families are taken care of and escorted properly so it's like 10 years sometimes and you have this mummified corpse in their in their bedroom you know waiting to be escorted into that death i think that's i just i think that as a like a kid you see that in your house and you grow up with that right so it's probably not any Mm -hmm anything different for them but it'd be definitely um a hard thing to get used to i would say in in america but a lot of the cultures even in um, your stories about the three deaths i think we can learn from that at least and have like mani may for example having those celebrations and family reunions including your your passed away loved ones mm-hmm. um are the like ceremonies and things that you talked about still going on today or is this like 
in the past this is what they did? It is still going on today. So they, this village is actually largely Catholic right now. They were, um, gosh, I think it was the Dutch that came in and colonialized them a little bit. So they introduced Westernized culture to this this um, this village that was actually isolated until about, I think it was 1913. So they went untouched by a lot of cultures until then, until the Dutch came in and were like, hey, what about Catholicism? And so they found a way to incorporate their their um, ancient customs, I guess, into Catholicism. So a lot of the times they still do, they still do manine, they still do the, the grand funerals. Um, I, a lot of the modern ones don't include some of the traditional songs and dances. They might use more mm-hmm. um, modern music. I read one article that there is dances to K-pop. In, in their funeral. Oh, wow. So it's just interesting to see that they have the customs relatively the same and um, sacred, but they've tweaked it a little bit to make it modernized and make it relevant for mm-hmm. the younger kids to get down with Manine or what have you. So it does still go on. For Mexican culture, is that a common celebration? Is that the three deaths is recognized? Yeah, they might not necessarily, like, call it the three deaths, but there are those three separate stages that people will acknowledge. Um, I haven't been to too many funerals in the States, right? So when you were talking about music and celebration and all that stuff, um, funerals for us, too, they're very lively, if you will. Like, there's music. Uh, It's not a party, necessarily, but it's like a remembrance so it's not as somber as i guess they should be i don't know um but i think everything is maybe it's a coping mechanism maybe it's just a way of like appreciating life but it's very like filled with music and then after the funeral there's um like you go to whoever's house and you'll you'll have food and you'll share stories and it, yes, there's crying and all that involved, but it's more of a, hey, let's focus on what this person was or what they did and, and let's celebrate that. I think that's interesting because I, I think a lot of funerals, at least in America, are centralized around the, the family and friends grief rather than the person themselves. So I'd, I'd be curious to see how Mexican customs are transcended into like an American lifestyle. There has to be some sort of melding of the cultures, you know, for second generation families, for example, in America, how those customs are incorporated into their life in America. And if me, whether they know what the customs mean, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be interesting to see too. I, I'm only like first and a half generation. So I, I'm still not very detached from that. So like, I still have a lot of um, like the traditional ways of doing things. And it would be interesting to, to take a look and see like how it differs as the generations progress. But what do you think, if anything, what do you think that we could learn from these rituals, like about grief or about, um, 
how to keep memories alive of people that we've that we've lost to death. Uh, well, I think like personally, using these will help with the with the grieving. Like it it kind of turns it into maybe a not a positive experience, but something where I can look back fondly on things. So it helps me grieve and like I can cry and I can think about my grandpa and all that stuff. But I also am like, oh, you know what? It's Tuesday and maybe he'll appreciate um, some fresh baked cookies because he loves snickerdoodle cookies. So let me just make some and I'll put that on the altar. So it's kind of like it helps cope. But at the same time, like it, it just... Maybe it fits into the, you know, keeping the third or staying away from the third death as far as possible. But I think it helps me personally learn more about my grandpa, learn more about how grieving works for me and perhaps what I would want in case I died too. Like if that makes like I I don't want people to necessarily cry. I understand that's part of the grieving process. But how about remember me for my weird things or, you know keep a shark on the mantle for me because I'm obsessed with sharks, right? So, little things like that. Interesting. What do you think? I think so, too. I think that what I like about these these two death rituals is that it's very, it seems to me more community-driven. I think that, for me at least, when I've experienced death in the past, I, I have a tendency to internalize that, you know? And you don't really share with people how you feel or how you felt about those family members or friends that passed away. It's just a very intimate and very individualistic experience. And I, mm-hmm. to me, I think that's actually detrimental to the grief process because you don't really deal with it and you don't really lean on your community that also remember those loved, loved ones. So having customs such as Mexico and Indonesia in this specific village, it builds a community aspect around that individual, which I really, really like. I'm curious about the third death, though, for for Mexico specifically. How is an individual's memory maintained? So let's say you have somebody that passed away. Do they meet the three death once their family members have passed away that actually had that interaction with them during life? Or are they continued? Do they continue to have alters even though they may have not experienced this person during their life. So do you have like a great, great, great grandpa, for example, that would be placed on the altar, right? There's pictures that are placed on the altar, right? For Mm -hmm. all your loved ones. Mm -hmm. So do you have to have intimate experience with that person during life? Or would you just continue to have them on your altar because they are part of your heritage, your family? We, We do like my family in particular, my brothers and my cousins like we never experienced anything with my grandmother because she passed away pretty shortly after my dad was born but all of us have like pictures of her on our altars or um like a lot of people don't necessarily have like a a full-blown altar anymore but they'll have like her picture up on the wall and they'll have like little things nearby for her um but we have no experience with her at all and it's just something that we continue to to i guess carry on and like we pass stories along the the little stories like my aunts and uncles who got to interact with her like they'll share with us and then we just keep that going is the celebration of the dead maintained throughout the year or is it for a day of the dead specifically that you would have those altars up some families have them up all year round we do um 
and then some families like in Mexico they, they will continue to keep it all year round but then on day of the dead like they'll go to the cemetery or they'll go to church and they'll light candles and they'll do more that day I'm thinking about growing up like all my all my aunts and my grandma my mom they always had their their wall of fames is what they would call it but it's really just pictures of all of our family throughout our generation so good great grandpa is on the yeah. wall I think it's interesting to um, see the comparison between the two because that's probably something similar that we're doing in Western culture remembering our family and having like quote unquote altar at least with the pictures but we don't even realize the cultural significance of it. Do you have more questions? I don't. I'm going to look. Comments or concerns? <laughs> yes. I would like to speak to your manager immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. What about you? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I should end with as the Farajans usher loved ones to death through Osong, we end this episode with an excerpt from the Song of Death from the Tarajan Death Customs. We will scatter our grief. This village is in sorrow. Rain upstream, great floods overflowing as tears. Sorrow continues to plague our lives. Rainbow lived, lightning skipped. The world is a temporary place in the presence of God eternal. Sorrow has no edges. (laughs) 